This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me, rejoining me here on my show, Carpe Diem. I'm live with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Super excited for my guest today. If you hadn't guessed by the music, the intro, we have Carol Pope joining us today. And what I'm going to do before I turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue with my guest, as I always do each show, I'm just going to plug a little bit about Carol's bio, and then we're going to talk openly about a whole bunch of subjects. So again, this show spans to 145 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So thanks again for joining us. So Carol Pope. Carol Pope is an agent provocateur pushing the boundaries of sexuality, sexual politics, and the status quo, making you think and dance at the same time. Her work has been recognized with three Juno Awards, multiple independent music awards, a Genie Award, four gold, one platinum, and one double platinum album. Her latest EP, Music for Lesbian Squirt Gun, E1, explores the funny, tragic things about being a lesbian. Contributors include Peaches, Alan Johannes, and Rob Pruce. Her latest video, Vagina Wolf, is available on YouTube. A film based on Pope's autobiography, Anti-Diva, published by Random House, is in pre-production. Pope has toured with David Bowie and performed at Roskilde, World Pride, MOCCA, Fashion Cares 25 with Elton John, the Brooklyn Museum of Art, the AGO, Luminato, Joe's Pub, the Global Cabaret Festival, the Frostbite Festival, Reykjavik, Toronto, Los Angeles, Montreal, San Diego, San Francisco Prides, and the Michigan Women's Festival. She appeared in Suck, a vampire movie, along with guest stars Moby, Iggy Pop, Alice Cooper, and Henry Rollins. Pope has contributed music to film and television, including Transparent Season 2, Love or Whatever, The L Word, General Idea, Art Aids, and the fin de sequel, The Trailer Park Boys Movie. This Revolution, Queer as Folk, The Five Senses, The Silencer, and Cruising. Her seminal band, Rough Trade, was inducted into the Indie Hall of Fame during Canadian Music Week. Carol, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. Hey, hi. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Excellent. So, what a lead up, what a bio. Uh, you know, such an honor to have you here, and I certainly have to... Thank our mutual friend Rob Pruce for that, for the introduction and uh, making this possible. And thank you for agreeing to be here. So I just want to say, I mean, there's so many things I want to get into, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about past, current, and upcoming projects that you're working on. Um, 
but I just want to say that, uh, you know, prior to even having you come on the show, prior to even reaching out to Rob to see if this was at all possible, especially around the passing of David Bowie, who will get into the journey you've shared with him and what he has meant to you personally and professionally. Um, I always kind of saw you as the female version of David Bowie, to be perfectly honest. And, uh, you know, I just, I think the world of both of you, uh, you know, rest in peace, David Bowie. Uh, but I just think, you know, you're clearly out there and you have been since the inception of your career. I think you're bold. I think you're courageous. I think the risks that you have taken have not only paid off for you in your career, uh, and have really trademarked you quite beautifully. Uh, but I just, you know, hats off to you, Carol. It's so nice to see people regardless of what they do for a career. The people who just step into their own, uh, people who believe in themselves, people who aren't afraid to just, like, say, fuck it to what other people think. And you've clearly, clearly done that. So I just want to say what an honor it is to have you here today. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, thank you for all of that. Well, truly heartfelt. And a lot of people would echo my sentiments on that for sure. So why don't we start, Carol, why don't we start with how this all came to be? You know, when did you know that this was the path that you were meant to be on? Who inspired you? Uh, who navigated you? Let's talk a little bit about the inception of your journey. Um, I don't, I mean, I just kind of navigated myself. I wanted to be a singer. Um, I... When I first left home, I met up with musicians who kind of encouraged me. And then, you know, I met Kevin Staples because we were both auditioning for the same band. And out of that came Rough Trade. And, um, you know, we just did our whole, Rough Trade's whole MO was to do what made us happy. You know, we were going to write music that made us happy. And um, there was just an audience that was ripe for that out there, you know, in Canada, certainly at that time, Um, because everybody was, most people were doing like top 40 stuff. Um, But we were kind of part of a scene, um, you know, part of like a punk new wave scene that happened in the the 70s. And, um, yeah, it was, an, it was an amazing time to be, uh, to make music and, uh, to be in Canada. And, um, we started going to New York, like, really early on in our career and playing there a lot, um, cause, uh, that's, that's where the real scene was happening as far as we were concerned. Um, anyway, so that's how it started. Wonderful. And so what I'll say is I, I've had a lot of female musicians appear as a guest on my show, and what many of them have said, what the consensus seems to be, and you can agree or, or not agree, but I would certainly love to hear your input on this, is that, uh, you know, they found it quite difficult and challenging breaking into uh, what's predominantly known or had been previously characterized, maybe it still remains true to this day, as a predominantly male industry. Now, for you, if you do agree with that, I would be interested to know, as I'm sure my listeners would too, how has that been particularly challenging for you as a lesbian, if at all? Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, I'm sure it's hindered my career, and certainly is, you know, I mean, I, I'm certainly, I, I'm sure I've been judged by my sexuality, by for my sexuality by some people, but, um, um, I think the thing about me was I was very androgynous and, um, that was an issue, like very outspoken and androgynous and that was something that people hadn't seen before. Um, but I never, you know, I'm just like, I was what I, I mean, I, I'm a woman. I, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, you know, as an artist, you just have to be true to yourself. Um, So that's really all I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, fucking, you know, if if people screw around with me, then I just, you know, uh, I either cut them off or, I mean, I'm just, 
like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for that shit. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I understand. And, uh, you know, for you to have risen in the ranks, uh, and to be top of your game, uh, very clearly you put all that aside and made a conscious decision to not let the, uh, opinions and the judgments of others, uh, dictate, define, or get in the way of what you're meant to do. So kudos to you. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the musical industry, outside of the music industry, who look to you for inspiration, who perhaps are still challenged or struggle with that on a daily or regular basis. So, you know, for the impact that you've had on people and maybe even unbeknownst to you, I say thank you. Um, you know, the world needs more people like you to set the stage and to set the tone for what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and to truly just say, as you said, fuck it. So good for you. Um, what I'd love to know, too, do you want to tell us, share with us a little bit about your time with David Bowie, how that came to be, what that was about, and uh, and how the passing of him, how that's resonated with you? Um, we were asked to uh, open for Bowie in Canada um, for his Serious Moonlight Tour in 1983. Um, and we were huge Bowie fans because I'd seen um, I'd seen him perform a few times and um, you know, I mean, I just thought he was a brilliant artist and um, uh, so we were kind of beside ourselves. So we, the first, so the first place we played with him was the, uh, oh my God, I don't even know if that place is still there. Uh, no, it's not the Coliseum. I can't remember what the first venue was, but we played open for him in Toronto. Um, and he, I saw him on stage looking at me and, um, uh, and then found out after that, you know, he liked us and we were going to continue on the tour with him. And, um, um, then I went up and watched him. I'm not even sure which venue we were at, but I was up on stage watching him and he came over and started gossiping and we had a little hug and, um, he was really, really sweet and warm. And, um, you know, so we did this mini tour and then, um, uh, he wanted us to go on and work with him in California and Australia and New Zealand. And this is kind of the beginning of the end of Rough Trade because um, we didn't get tour support like from our label or the people who were distributing us, which was CBS at the time. So that was like heartbreaking. Mm. Um, but it was an amazing, you know, a very surreal experience. Um he he was a huge inspiration because, you know, he just ch- changed all the time. I mean, he was all about changing. He, you know, um, you could never pin him down. He's, I, I thought he was a brilliant lyricist, a brilliant performer, uh, you know, a very sweet, warm, spiritual person. And I, you know, I'm I'm just devastated that he's gone so early and that he had to die such a horrible death so well it's been quite the year for musicians artists having passed on just you know at the beginning it just seemed in succession one right after the other and you know it's left a lot of people particularly for those of you who are in the music industry and have either crossed paths with these people collaborated with them know them personally uh i can imagine how difficult it's been for you uh you know and then prince you know, I know that's yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And so, what do you make of all that? Because you know, of course, there's a lot of stereotypes or uh, perhaps myths associated with people who are in the industry. Uh, people make their own assumptions based on the lifestyle. Uh, you know, what people may or may not be into. You know, what would you say to the general public who know nothing about your world uh, that could speak to that? Um, well, Prince, I mean, I don't know, there's all this rumor flying around, but I mean, I guess he, he was probably, I mean, I can totally relate to him 
probably having to take painkillers because, you know, putting on a show like that and, uh, you know, um, kind of abusing your body for years and years is going to take a toll on you. But I, I, I mean, I'm shocked that, you know, that he didn't have somebody around really taking care of him. I mean, I don't know. He had like a, I mean, I don't really know. He had like a, a flock of people, but um, um, he obviously wasn't close to his family. Um, it's just, you know, it's just like completely unexpected because he was such a life force. Um, and, you know, a life force and like this ephemeral being kind of, I mean, and um, and, and really a mesmerizing performer and Bowie Bowie I knew I mean Bowie you know I knew that he had cancer and and um uh, uh I, I kind of like half expected something to happen just from seeing photographs of him so yeah yeah and, but, and, um, and what, can, what can you share with people given your closeness with David Bowie, you know, what would people not have necessarily known about him uh, outside of his stage persona? What could, what could you say to enlighten people about the soul he truly was? Um, I didn't, you know, I really didn't know him that well, but I just um, feel that he, you know, I mean, he was very kind to us and, um, uh, I think very spiritually evolved as far as I could tell. And, um, you know, I love that he was, I love that his, you know, he had his family around him and, um, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, really, really, that's, that's okay. all I can say. Okay. Uh, so getting back to you, all these awesome awards that you've won, um, that you've earned, you know, is it the first award? I ask this often too for people such as yourself in the musical world. You know, is it the first award that stands out the most because it's kind of paying homage to the fact that you've paid your dues, you're finally being recognized, you believe in yourself. Now, you know, globally people are receiving you, embracing you, and recognize the hard work and the talent uh, that you possess. Uh, and have contributed to the industry. Is it the first award? Is it a different award? Out of all of the ones that you have been the recipient of, which one speaks most to you? Um, I guess winning... Uh, let me see. I guess winning the Juno for Best Female Vocalist was pretty shocking, because I think I beat out, like, Anne Murray and Joni Mitchell and people like that, and I was like, what the... The hell? That can't be right. <laughs> and it um, was right. Um, so that was pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I think I'm still stunned. I'm like, wow, people think I can sing. I, you know, it's just like. <laughs> of course you <laughs> can. <laughs> it was kind of shocking. Um, uh, but you know, I'm such a like a style. I, I especially in the '80s, I was such a kind of 80s stylized singer. I don't, you know, I don't sing like that now. Um, I mean, I still sound like me, but I'm not uh, as exaggerated. So I was like, yeah, just really shock, shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Well, that's lovely. That keeps you humble. You know, that's lovely to hear, actually. <laughs> So, you know, in terms of your career and and staying current and evolving and different things inspiring you along the way within the juncture of your career, um, what, what's been pivotal for the shift? What keeps you current? What, what have you gravitated towards or what has spoken to you currently as opposed to in the beginning of your career that allows you to continually reinvent yourself or hone your skill, your craft? Um, I pretty much hate everything that's going on musically. Mainstream music is just hideous. It's like manufactured. <laughs> People can't really sing. Um, uh, but then there are artists, 
Uh, like I'm excited to hear the new Radiohead album. I yes. am huge. I'm a huge fan of Peaches. It was so great to get to work with her and do that crazy song and then get it, you know, and actually, you know, be on Transparent because mm-hmm. um, that's such a fantastic show. Um, I love. I I just saw her. I went to her. She had a birthday party in Las Vegas, and I mean, I've seen her a lot live, but this rub tour is like out of control, off the hook. Because um, <laughs> um, she's got these two slutty dancers, and they, you know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, it's very sexual. I, um, um, but as for my, you know, as for what inspires me, I don't, I don't know if I'm really inspired by the musicians. I just, I'm just like, I'm always just gonna kind of go with the flow and whatever comes out of me. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way I write basically. I just like write all this crap, spew all this venom and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's where the songs come from. Um, and so it is, so so Carol, is it, is it things that have happened in your personal life that, um, you know, continue to evolve that comes out and speaks through your lyrics, your music? Uh, is it world events? Is it a combination of the two? Is it, you know, certain to- topics that are near and dear to your heart that may be controversial? You know, what, what contributes or what has contributed to the evolution of you as an artist? If you're not inspired um, by other artists, what are you inspired by within yourself or, or gets you going? Um, certainly life experience, what's going on with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so insane. It's, you know, it's just, and, um, uh, yeah, just the environment. I mean, that's what I usually write about. I mean, I think I just write about those same three subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so really nothing changed, um, except I don't have anybody to answer to. I mean, you, you don't have any anybody to answer to now as an artist because you can just self-release and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, just censor yourself. Um, so in that way, it's good, but... Um, well, I can't see Carol know. Pope censoring Carol Pope. <laughs> I think everything, no. you know, I think everything uh, is allowed. Everything's permissible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is. Um, yeah. And I love that. I mean, I really am proud of the song that I uh, did with Rob Cruz and Rufus Wainwright because um, it like it's that landfall because it sounds really beautiful and then it's like so political and bitter. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it is beautiful. Um, um, but the lyrics are like, what the? <laughs> um, um, so what are so? What oh, sorry, your, go ahead. Yeah, that's okay, Carol. What are your, you know, getting into the political realm of conversation here. So what are your thoughts, uh, you know, particularly with you living in the States? What, what's going on for you when you happen to tune in or hear new developments that arise uh, with Trump, Hillary? Um, I am just, like, horrified by uh, <laughs> by the media and all they do is talk about Trump. I mean, I think this is partially the media's fault. And then um, everybody else, like people, you know, nobody, none of my friends like Trump, but my friends are all, like, divided between Hillary and Sanders. And um, I don't want to get in the middle of it. Um, It's just, like, such bitterness. I mean, you know, um, I think that if we want a Democrat in the White House, we have to, you know, everybody has to put aside their differences and and pick somebody. But I, you know, I I'm like totally horrified, and I'm kind of I'm like, do I have to leave the country? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like thinking that. I mean, I, I, if Trump becomes president, it's like just like a the horror show. And well, so if you have to go traveling, make sure you do it before that wall gets built, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. All right, it's gonna build a wall in Canada too, so Sure, let's build walls everywhere. Yeah, he's all about the walls. But yeah, it's horrifying and um uh, the whole political system is I you know, I wish that 
America had more parties, you know, I think that would, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's just two part, it's a two party system and I wish it was like a five party system. I wish there were more options for people. Um, and, you know, I don't really like that many people, people who, politicians are slime balls basically, so. <laughs> Uh, and you have to be, I mean, even if you're like a nice person going and you end up, I mean, you end up like having to kill people. There's no two ways around it. When you're the president, you end up actually being responsible for murdering people. So I don't know if people think about that, but mm-hmm. it's really, I don't know. I would not want to be the president. Right. Yeah. It's uh, not an enviable position. I don't know why anybody actually would want to step into that. But uh, anyway, good luck to everybody with uh, whatever the outcome becomes. So, uh, yeah, I, I would like to know. I'd like to know about uh, the pre-production that's going on as a result of your autobiography, Anti Diva. Can you talk about Anti Diva and then talk about pre-production? Um, it's been this movie. Well, film rights got optioned years ago, and it's been just ongoing. Um, right now, they're trying to—they're doing some casting, um, and you know, in Canada, the film's being made in Canada, so then you have to go to Telefilm and beg them for money. And um, you know, if you're making anything that's remotely interesting, it's just more of a, a nightmare to get the funding together. So. The producer's still trying to pull funding together, but also you have to get people who are marketable that that distributors want to see in your movie. It's just like, ugh. <laughs> but, it's kind of, but um, uh, you know, I think there's a good chance that uh, we're going to get the funding this year, all the funding we need this year. Excellent. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. Thanks. And so, uh, you know, it, why don't you inform uh, listeners, because, again, this spans worldwide. This is global radio. Um, why don't you let people know a little bit about what your autobiography is about in terms of, uh, obviously, clearly, it's about your life, but are there certain aspects within the book uh, that you would want to emphasize here on radio, kind of grab people's attention get people pumped to go out and get the book? Um, well, let me see. I just talk about my career and uh, being a musician and being on the road and um, having affairs with certain people, touring with Bowie. Uh-huh. Uh, I had I an affair with Dusty Springfield, which was tragic, but um, I'm glad she was in my life. And, um, I don't know. I generally just, I think people say it's a good read. It's fun. I'm pretty funny. I have to say I'm pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, it's a good read and I think it's available on Amazon. Okay. Um, I don't think you have to know who I am necessarily to, you know, want to read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? I haven't read the book in a while, in a few years. <laughs> I can't even remember. Um, um, yeah, just, I, I think an interesting part of the book is just the, talking about the whole scene in Canada, in Toronto and New York and London in the 70s and all these amazing bands. And, oh, I also worked, we, we worked with Divine. That was pretty it was pretty interesting. We did a, sh- a show, a musical review with Divine. Um oh. So, yeah, I think there's stuff that in the book that certainly would be of interest to people who are music freaks or theater freaks or gay and lesbian, straight, whatever. Well, I think, you know, I think your book would appeal to anyone. I mean, you've lived a very fascinating life. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who aren't out there, uh, you know, but still find people such as yourself super, super fascinating. I mean, how can it not be a good read, right? I mean, for for some people, who they, they go, wow, I'm reading a book, and this is actually somebody's life. For you, this is your life. I mean, do you look back on aspects of your life and go, oh, my God, what the hell? Like, what, what have I, you know? <laughs> 
like you must have moments where, I mean, for your life, most people would look at the whole picture of your life and go completely surreal. Like any one event that you would be writing about or would be, uh, you know, noteworthy, people could only hope to have some element of excitement like that in their life. I mean, talk about some of the, talk about some of the awesome moments that you've had in your life that have been even surreal for you or continue to be surreal when you look back and reflect upon it. Um, I just think, I don't know, for some reason I've met a lot, I, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people, um, and certainly in New York in the 70s and 80s, like, meeting Robert Maplethorpe, um, Klaus Nomi, who's this amazing singer who kind of more dressed like he was Dressed like he was wearing a set, and he ended up, uh, he's on, uh, that David Bowie performance on Saturday Night Live with, it's him, David, and Klaus Nomi, and they're wearing skirts and things. <laughs> um, um, going up to, um, just like partying all night, doing mounds of blow. <laughs> <laughs> um, or watching people. Just I like is really big on watching people, and actually I I got to go out to dinner a couple of times with Johnny Mitt and um, our record company peeps Bernie Fiedler and uh, Bernie Finkelstein, and and uh, Joni and I both like to. I know we went to a party once, and we were both like sitting there watching people, you know, and like taking mental notes. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, right. um and you've partied with uh, Gilda Radner and Dan Aykroyd, Martin Short. Oh yeah, those parties. Yeah, like hanging out. Like uh, my sister Elaine managed Second City when it first started. She was one of the managers at Second City, and we would go. Kevin and I would like, smoke all this dope and go every night and see Second City because it was Gilda Radner, Danny, Marty, Eugene Levy. Um, John Candy, uh, Bill Murray would show up uh, sometimes because the Chicago Second City would come and do shows and just like, we're like, what that? It was like so brilliant, just so incredibly brilliant. And I just, just feel lucky and blessed that I got to see that. And um, Amazing. Um, and now I'm like very jaded. You, you really have to impress me to... Right. Uh, uh, but I mean, I I have started writing like a, I started writing another book, and I just don't have a a publisher yet. Um, because you know, would, would you go back happen. to Random House for that one? Would you go back to Random um, House for that one? No. Okay. No, I wouldn't. All right. Um, enough, enough said. I kind of read the tone in that one. All right. Um. Okay. So, how do you keep yourself? You know, for all the partying that's gone on, for all the touring, uh, you know, the late nights, uh, whether it's just, you know, pumping out music and being perhaps more creative in the evening, early hours of the morning, uh, connecting with people who are in your peer group who are on the same, uh, you know, zone as you in terms of wake hours, sleep hours. How do you keep yourself, how do you keep yourself fresh? How do you, how do you exercise self-care? Is there any self-care that's going on in your world? Uh, well, I'm in LA, so this is like the capital of self-care. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely exercise and eat properly and all of that. And, you know, this is not really like a late night town at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only, I mean, I've lived in LA three times and this, I've only been here, I've been here two years this time and I'm already bored, um, cause I was in New York before. Um, which is uh which is kind of going to hell too, but um, <laughs> no, I mean it's just becoming generic and and gentrified, which is sad, and now l a is becoming gentrified um, um but yeah, I take care of myself, and I mean everybody I know you know you have to take care of yourself but it's it's much easier to do here mm-hmm. um 
and because it's more boring here, so you're like, uh, I guess I have to go to bed earlier. I guess I, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of work to be social. So you kind of end up yeah. taking care of yourself. But but you know, I mean, what I do like about it here is you can go on these spectacular hikes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I just have to go up the street and I can go go to Griffith Park or something, and it's really fantastic and you know, commune with nature and. Lovely. And everybody and everybody else is doing that. So um and also uh there's this whole art scene that's happening and mm-hmm. downtown is like downtown is getting all gentrified. It's like insane here. But yeah, I mean that's LA is definitely all about taking care of yourself and um you know, you just can't I mean you just can't abuse yourself the older you get, you can't abuse yourself that much because then you have to pay for it. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, don't to, I don't want to spend all day with a hangover. Right, right. Those days have come and gone, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll still go out and like party and drink, but it won't be, you know, I can, I can have three drinks and then that's really it. Mhm. And so, what's your second book about, Carol? I'm kind of interested about that. Oh, it's just more, it's in just anti-diva part two. That's all it is. Okay, so a continuation. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm just trying to look into publishers and um, hit them up and see if they want it, because it's pretty, it's pretty scandal-filled. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll have your pick then. You know, as soon as you get the word out there, I'm sure you'll have quite a few people chomping at the bit to get their name on your book, their publishing company. So, you know, I wish you all the best with that. I'm sure you'll have no problems with that. But uh, I want I want to know what's on your bucket list. Oh, my bucket list? Um, no, your, your, your bucket list. Oh, my bucket list. Yeah, as, um, as opposed to bucket list. Bucket list is a little too boring to say to Carol Pope, what's on your bucket list? What's on your bucket list? Um, people who um, fuck with me are on my bucket list. And, um, uh, yeah, talk mostly talk to people and... Um, Oh, I, don't, I don't really think about that. Um, I just let's just say toxic people. I think that's the main thing. Okay. Uh, and um, trying not to, you know, uh, waste my time. Mhm. Uh, and what's, uh, a, I think what's a perfect Sorry, day? Of, yeah. What's a perfect day of not wasting your time? So give us, you know, maybe it's a day you've already lived, maybe it's a day you live regularly, but what does that kind of day look like for you? What does that entail? Um, Just getting some creative writing done and um, mostly creative writing, um, uh, commuting with nature, which Mm -hmm. also inspires me to write. Um, Oh, going... um, I guess my perfect day would be like going to the beach, going to the ocean, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then I I kind of combine the thing, two things. I'm like I'm gonna go sit in a beautiful place and I'm gonna write stuff and you know maybe work on some music, but usually the lyrics come first. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, just, just does writing come easily that. to you? Does writing come easily uh, to you? It depends. I mean, sometimes I just like, uh, you know, come up with ideas and then when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting around like trying to force myself, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's either one or the other. But um, if I'm inspired and I have to work on a project, then usually it comes easy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And as an artist, do you feel uh, compelled to pump out a certain amount of material or a certain amount of songs uh, on a regular basis, or 
or are you, because you've got other projects and your hands are involved in so many other pots, you're quite content to the degree that you are producing creatively for what you're already uh, pumping out? Yeah, I mean, uh, I am working on new music, um, but yeah, I mean, there, I'm not pressuring myself because, yeah, as you said, I am working on other projects, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, um, I'm hoping to put out a new Rough Trade single with Kevin Staples. We're working on something. And then, you know, I just want to put out another solo EP this year. Awesome. So I, just started working, I just started working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm not pressuring myself. I mean... Good. Like, I don't think, I don't think you have to. I, I think you've proven yeah. yourself. I don't think you have to do that. <laughs> No, I mean, I just, I, people aren't even, I don't think people are, the only thing that bugs me is people aren't aware, not, not enough people are aware of my solo material, so I really, you know, I want people to listen to music for lesbians and, and Landfall, which I, that album, I'm very proud of that album, mm-hmm. um, and Rob, Rob helped me a lot with that, and, and Tim Welch, who, I've worked with Forever, who plays guitar with me, but it's a brilliant writer, producer. Um, so, yeah, I just want people to know about the thing, the, the work that I have out Correct. there. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, and and who, who that you have not yet had the opportunity or the privilege to collaborate with or play with, who is on the peripheral? Who would you love to work with? Wow. Um, um, let me see. I don't know. I mean, I would, you know, I love working with Rob, and um, mm-hmm. I and I would like to do something else with Peaches, but um, oh, but I, I guess my dream person would be doing something with Bjork. Oh, lovely. Because I, I am a huge fan of hers, and she's such an innovative artist. And um, I would love to just make some Icelandic music with her. Beautiful. Have you reached out to her? No, I don't know her. There's no, you know. You don't, you I mean, don't have to know her. I mean, does it really work in, like that in that world? I mean, you share music. Music is universal. Uh, you both have so much respect for that, and it uh, it's part and parcel of both your DNA you know, I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. I don't think she knows who I am, but um, uh, I think she lives in Brooklyn, so maybe if I'm hanging out in Brooklyn one day. I mean, I, I've seen her quite a few times, but I've never met her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, maybe I will try and reach out. You're not shy, are you, Carol? No, no, I just, it's just like... <laughs> I haven't met her, you know. I don't know anybody who knows her, so. Well, that's how you meet people. I mean, I remember when I had Rob Proust on radio for the first time, and he was sharing with me, and it's so funny how things come full circle, because we talked about you on our first show, and he was mentioning that when he was new to New York, he came upon you, and, you know, he immediately saw and recognized who you were. And if I'm not mistaken, he sought you out and was equally surprised that you recognized who he was, which I think was the beginning of your collaboration, your friendship, your partnership. So, you know, that's how you meet people. And I mean, you're, I mean, and you're, you're in the, you're in the world of two degrees of separation, truly. Yeah. But I really, I don't know anybody who knows Bjork. And when we were in Iceland, I was like, where does Bjork live? Can I go to her house? I'm going to stalk her. I'm going to stalk her. That's what I said to the audience. Right. Like, but nobody told me where she lived. I don't think she was there anyway, but I totally would have stalked her house anyway. I was just curious as to where right. she lived. But well, I'm pretty sure that she was, you know, I'm pretty sure she lives in, in Brooklyn. I mean, she was with that crazy Matthew Barney dude. Uh-huh. And, then, and then he dumped her, right, I think. Uh, is what happened. They broke up, and but yeah, I really, I am, I'm, I'm just gonna have to like double down on stalking her. <laughs> well, there you go. 
I mean, you never yeah. know. What's gonna, you never know what's going to come and, and materialize from these, uh, you know, connections and reaching out and just stepping into it. And if anybody can do that, that's you, Carol. I mean, there's nothing that uh, seems to hold you back. It's like no bars hold. Um, okay. Hopefully. Okay. Well, maybe I can. I mean, I'd love to have her on radio. Maybe I can connect you two if I have any luck on my end. I'll send, I'll send her the podcast. Yes. Right? That's a good idea. And yeah. then she, yeah. she can hear that we've spoken about her. Bjork, we love you. We love you, Bjork. We love you, Carol Pope and Rob Proust. So what I want to know from you, I mean, you mentioned that, um, you know, things get a little bit mundane. And I can understand for somebody who's as creative as you, for somebody who's innovative as you, for somebody who likes change, uh, you know, somebody who likes a different kind of pace to life, uh, having not outgrown, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said you've lived in L.A. three times, correct? Yeah. And you've lived in New York. So if all things were aligned, you know, and things could work out on the work front and it be the right place at the right time, where would you like to see yourself you know, where would you like to see yourself live or travel or hunker down? Um, I did want to live in London for the longest time, but it's insanely expensive. It is. Um, oh, God, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you, have you not been to London? Oh, yeah. I've got family who still live there. I've done multiple trips to London and Scotland and abroad. So, yeah, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I would love to. I mean, I'd love to live in Europe, but um, my second choice is, you know, I'd still love to live in New York again, but also it's insanely expensive. I mean, I'm really good at finding rent control places to live, though, for some reason. Um <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, Europe, you know, I wouldn't mind, like, it was just, like, hanging out in Europe and, and certainly living in London, maybe basing out of London. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that requires, I, I think you have to be a millionaire to live in, in London. I mean, I don't know how, you, you know. Yeah. Because I don't have a day job, so I don't even know how that works, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about being an artist, is you don't have a day job, and it's always like, what's going to happen? You right. Know. You, right. You think about money, but then you don't, you're like, you don't think about money. But I also think part of, I think the great part about being an artist is you can just, like, I have no qualms about taking off and traveling and, and and just like I'll go wherever I feel like going and do whatever and it, it usually works out. Mm-hmm. It, uh, especially if I feel you know drawn to the place and it's going to make me create more. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm down. Well, what if I said Bjork was over there? Yeah. On the plane. On the plane. <laughs> Anyway, Carol, we've got approximately, I'm going to say five minutes before we have to wrap up here. So what I would love and appreciate for you to do is can you kindly provide our global listeners some information, contact information? Where can people follow you? Where can people download your your music? Where can people plug in and tune into Carol Pope? Um, My website um, is uh, carolpope.com. Carol with an E. Don't forget that E. Um, uh, at Carol Pope on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, where else am I? Uh, all, all my music is on iTunes and Amazon. It's everywhere. Um, Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yeah. Bandcamp is great because you can, like, listen to everything mm-hmm. and then decide to buy it or not, but please do. Um, yes. And where else am I? Um, Facebook. You're on Facebook. Yeah, I said, I, I said Facebook. Oh, sorry. Are, uh, you on, are you on LinkedIn? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you anywhere like Instagram? I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Um, Art, Art Sweat 7 on Instagram. Um, 
I'm not on LinkedIn because I don't even get it. I was on it for the longest time, and then I'm like, what is this, and why am I on it? So <laughs> I think it's a like, kind of business connecty thing, isn't it? I, I don't even yeah. know what it is. Yeah, it's it's a professional way of connecting with people. And, I mean, you're professional, but, I mean, it looks like you've got a lot of media outlets happening for you that if anybody really, you know, wanted to find you, it would be an easy find. So good for you. But I want to say, I want to say, Carol, we, before we head out, because we've got, like, seriously, literally a, a few minutes here, um, what is the legacy you wish to leave behind? How would you wish to be remembered? Um, I guess... Um, as an innovative <laughs> artist, um, uh, a person who is not afraid to speak her mind, and a person who um, has championed gay and lesbian rights and uh, a bit of an AIDS activist. Um, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I think that would be great. Okay. Well, Carol, I want to thank you very much for kindly uh, spending time with us here today. I know it's not the greatest hour of the day for you, and you were only currently, when we went pre-live, working on one cup of coffee. So you pulled this off quite miraculously, because I can't do anything with one cup of coffee. So good for you, and I hope you have fun on the beach. And I'll see what I can do behind the scenes to have you and Bjork connect. But if you do see her in Brooklyn, <laughs> if you do see her in Brooklyn, go step up to her, have a coffee, have an espresso, go to the beach together. I think that would be phenomenal. But, All right. Uh, yes, and I can't wait to hear more about, uh, as you said, this year more than likely, uh, the pre-production of Anti Diva coming out. I can't wait to see that. Uh, I'll continue to ramp you, cross-promote you. Keep up the good work. I want to thank you very much again for donating your time to us today on the Contact Talk Radio Network. I'm Lisa McDonald. I'm your host with Carpe Diem. I go live every Friday at 11.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you, listeners, once again for your loyal listenership. If you have any show topic ideas or you wish to appear as a potential guest on my show, you can certainly connect with me at either lisamcdonaldauthor.com. McDonald is spelled M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Or alternatively, you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. You don't have to be an actual mother. You're all nurturers, giving back, Mother Earth. I want to say thank you to everybody. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. Love and gratitude. Take care of yourself, Carol. We'll be in Pope. We'll be in Pope. <laughs> we'll be in touch, and I'll send you the podcast, okay? All right. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Listening to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. For more information, please go to Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.